Welcome to the With Ingram series of podcasts. I'm Philip Ingram. This is episode 11. And today I'm talking to Martin Cronin from the Canadian company Patriot One. Warning, you might actually learn something. Right, today we're very fortunate because I'm sitting at the International Security Expo at Olympia uh, and I've got Martin Cronin, who is the CEO of a fascinating company called Patriot One. Now, from what I understand, Patriot One is Canadian-based. Martin certainly isn't Canadian. I'll let him give you a little bit of his background and who Patriot One are. Martin, good to see you. Who are Patriot One and who are you? Thank you, Philip. Good good to see you. Well, yeah, as you can... uh Tell from my accent, I am British. Uh, after 21 years with the uh, FCO, the British Foreign Office, I uh, settled in Canada. Um, Patriot One is a security technology company. We do uh, uh, technologies for public safety through threat detection, detection of concealed weapons, guns, knives, bombs. Although we are headquartered in Canada, we have a wholly owned uh, UK operation. Uh, we employ engineers, business development people here. We have a very, very strong British identity to the company. Many of us come out of uh, British government service, so uh, we like to think of ourselves as as much British as we are Canadian. Now, your technology is fascinating and couldn't be more timely with the knife crime that we see reported around London and other UK cities. Um, how does your technology work? What 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 is it that makes it stand out from anything else that's out there at the moment? Well, we take a different approach to um, screening for weapons. The conventional approach is large, fixed, visible security infrastructure. You bring people to a point of detection, whether it's a walkthrough metal detector arch or a millimeter wavelength scanner. We take a different approach, which is to um, uh, create low-cost, unobtrusive, uh, invisible or covert, if you like, detection, which you can um, put out much more widely and, and detect weapons before they appear and are used in the commission of a crime. Obviously, the, the weekend events were a horrific reminder of the, the ever-present threat. And we do feel that technology you know, has, a, has a role to play here in um, preventing attacks by identifying weapons before they, before they are used. So um, in North America, we've been heavily focused on guns. Uh, obviously, we're very conscious of the, the strong focus on knives in the UK. And much of our discussions this week have focused around that. We're getting very good detection of sharp-edged weapons with uh, some of our sensor technologies. What we'd like to do is really refine that against UK requirements. We're having a lot of discussion around getting access to data here in the UK that we can use to advance our AI engine to really, really, really focus in on sharp weapons. Now, you mentioned AI. Um, uh, developing this sort of technology must take an awful lot of brain power behind it, an awful lot of capital behind it. Where is the think tank based? What's been the, the, the seed that's generated into this? Well, there's a number of places. I mean, we, we're a public company. We're on the, uh, the TSX, so we've, we've raised, our, raised our capital in public markets. We're a, we're, we're a well-funded company, uh, which has allowed us to um, acquire, license other entities. We uh, recently acquired... Um, an AI company out of Vancouver, Extract, who had done a lot of work with the Canadian military on uh, sensor fusion, uh, and that's exactly the process we're in now. We're fusing together different types of sensors, um, speaking to a, a common platform powered by AI. AI is all data-driven, so you know we're uh, we're in the business now of getting the biggest data sets possible, so we can really refine the algorithms against the threat environment that uh, that, that that people face here in the UK. Now, uh, a number of Canadian universities have been part of the project in helping you develop the technology. Um, who, who were they and what is it that you know, they've helped you, helped you do? 
Well, the genesis of the company was uh, some technology at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, cognitive microwave radar. It sort of does what it says on the tin. The cognitive is the AI part. The microwave radar is the hardware part of it. Um, so we've been commercializing that technology. But we are also partnered uh, very strongly with the University of British Columbia and uh, uh, one of our uh, colleagues, uh, Professor Keith Culver from UBC, is with us this week. Uh, we also work with um, the University of Calgary. We're, we're in the business really of finding the best innovation wherever it lies. You know, we don't have to invent everything for ourselves. We go and find you know, the best innovations, the best researchers, the best companies, and partner with them to bring everything together on a common platform. So we're all about the collaboration. Now, I've, you, you, a couple of things there. You mentioned microwave radar. Um, for those that are non-technicians that are out there, should we be worried that we're being fried as we're, <laughs> we're, we're walking down the street and all the rest of it with, with these microwaves being fired at us? No, you're entirely safe. We're not, we're not cooking people. Uh, in fact, the, you know, the, the, the emissions off this system you know, are less than the, the, those you're exposed to from our nearest stellar neighbor, Proxima Centauri. So you're quite, you're quite safe. It's like a cell phone at about four kilometers away. It's minuscule amounts of, of energy. Uh, and obviously these things are regulated and uh, you know, regulatory bodies set limits on emissions based on uh, you know, human health considerations and interference. And so we're compliant with all of those regulations. Yeah. Now, I've been forced to see a demonstration of your technology in, in, in a walkthrough where you seem to link sensors that can be put into any everyday object um, to a CCTV camera um, uh, and the processing system's got that AI database in the back end and can alert guards. Can you, can you talk through the listeners as to you, what the experience would be, what, what they're going to see, but um, almost more importantly, what they're not going to see that um, will, will make this stand out from other technologies that are out there? Yeah, well, that's a great question because really um, it's what they don't see, which is the, the art in this. The, you know, we're, we're generating systems that allow the public to go about their business unimpeded and to have no real sense of an experience of going through any sort of security screening. Um, and in terms of the, 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 the privacy angle, which I think is important, we're not capturing any personal data. Um, there's no image capture in, in, involved. We're looking for objects. We're looking for the threat objects. Only when they are detected do the people become of interest. So people going about their daily business have no real sense of being uh, screened by security. There's no pat-down, there's no divestment of everyday items. So they just go about the business unimpeded, but the security professionals uh, get the early warning of, uh, of, of a threat object coming into a, an area that's, that's being screened. Now, one of the things that also concerns people is um, them being stopped uh, when they don't have anything. Um, are, there, are there many false alarms with the system? Uh, how good is the system at making sure that it's only identifying potential threat objects and it's not identifying someone with a big bunch of keys or yeah. mobile phones or other things? Yeah, exactly. If, if you have too many false positives, nobody wants to use it, people are inconvenienced. And so that really comes down to having the, the biggest data sets. So what we're doing now with our deployments in, in North America, we're just massively expanding our data sets to eliminate all those false positives. Um, what we're doing here this week, talking about knife crime or knife violence, um, is to make sure we can build the biggest possible data sets and eliminate false positives before we start rolling things out in any widespread way and inconveniencing the public. You know, you're absolutely right. It's important that these things have the lowest number of false positives. Otherwise, they're just unusable. Now, I noticed uh, at the event here the Joint Security and Resilience Centre, JSOC, have got a knife crime initiative that's out across London. Is that helping you um, uh, break into the market? Are you, are you talking to them? 
Uh, well, we, we, we have had discussion. I mean, I, I would leave it to them to talk about their programs and, and, and what they may have seen. But, yeah, absolutely, programs like that are invaluable for, you know, innovators like us to be able to validate technology, to understand requirements, and to shape things in a way which is most useful to the environment. Uh, and you know, where is the technology at the minute? Um, have you got a, it to the level where you're getting it out into market? Um, is there still a little bit of research to do to finalise it before it's going to get to market? When are we going to see this providing additional security in our public spaces? So we, we are deployed in North American environments, in um, uh, primarily in education and, and uh, sports stadiums. Um, yeah, what we're doing is working with early adopter clients and our major partners like Cisco and Johnson Controls to make sure that we can have everything you know, 100% robust before we do broader deployment. We want to do this carefully. We're talking about life safety technology. It's important that it does exactly what we need it to do and what our partners need it to do. Um, we're now you know, making our move into the UK, which is obviously an extremely important environment for us. And again, we'll make sure that everything is robust, reliable, and tailored to, to the threat environment you know, before we start you know, uh, rolling out widely and uh, you know, inconveniencing the public. It's important that there's this social license behind the application of technology. So we want to get it right. And now we're here in the UK, we're, we're going to get it right. And we're sitting today at, uh, in a, a very typical square, empty room in, in, in Olympia, but it's, it's a little bit quieter for us, to, for us to talk. But we're at a very busy International Security Expo. How important has the expo been to you? Um, you have you had lots of people, lots of interest uh, coming to look at the technologies and everything else? Yeah, it's been tremendous. It's been a, been a great event for us. You know, we've had a steady throughput of, uh, of people um, you know, fascinated by the technology, wanting to understand how they can work with us invaluable for us in in understanding requirements you know it's it's been a tremendous show and uh, you know we've we've got a lot of um, a lot of uh, business to follow up uh, coming out of this Martin, I've been watching Patriot One for the last couple of years from you developing from the, the first time you appeared here and, 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 and a little colonel and I'm so excited at seeing the technology as it goes. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much Philip and thank you for, uh, for your continued interest.